In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 355. Special Handicap Edition. <laughs> uh, I, I, really. I, I suppose. <laughs> and maybe in more ways than one. <laughs> and that's a joke, uh, people. We don't want letters. Well, we don't get letters uh, anyway, so maybe maybe we do want letters. <laughs> <laughs> the, the reason they were so the, we told you guys the plan was to come back and cover this Silver Age issue, um, this episode, and it was going to release uh, as you hear this last Friday, but that didn't happen because I threw out my back again. Yes, again, it's a vicious cycle. Um, in order to alleviate the pressure that is on my spine, I need to lose weight, uh, and in order to lose weight, I need to work out. And in order to lose weight when you work out, you got to push yourself. And if I push myself too hard, I'm going to throw out my back. <laughs> so it's a vicious cycle. Uh, and I was working out doing something and I tweaked something the wrong way. And, you know, that's what happened. I was on painkillers and um, we just couldn't record. I'm still messed up a little bit, but obviously not <laughs> enough to uh, not sound cognizant. So um, that's fine. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but anyways, uh, we recorded this episode, God, two or three weeks ago, this something like that? The, this was the original 352, if I remember correctly. So so, so needless to say, uh, there, this is now going – there were three other episodes that ended up co- taking its place before we, we ended up coming back to it. <laughs> and this one was Mark's idea. We, he wanted to cover Green Lantern number 20. Um, so – uh, it's been long enough to where some of this stuff I've forgot the original answers to, so it doesn't sound like we're repeating ourselves too badly. So initially, think I think, Mark, I asked you, um, why did you choose this issue before we got into it? I also wanted to add, because I don't think I asked this at the time, why did you choose this issue over, say, Green Lantern number 13, which is like the first official team-up of the two, of Green Lantern and the Flash? Well, Chad, there's a few different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, even though I do have some of these in, in, in the hardcover collections of – I have the show – was it the showcases? Is that what they are? Whatever they are, the hardcover, the color versions of all the Green Lantern appearances. I forget what the hell they are. Um, I, I don't know. The showcase, showcase Presents is the black and white. Right, um, so. so I don't know what these are called. Plus, uh, they've done so many different new Omnibuy of the uh, but you kind of oh, you have but the, you the small I mean, you have the small trades that's what you have right I, but they're hard covers though but yes they, oh, the, they, but, they, but they probably eventually made the, they probably were released after the fact in hard and in, 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 uh, 
trade paper. Well, are are they omnibus sized or are they? There's no, they're graphic novel sized. Okay, okay, so yeah, that that was that the uh, Chronicles? Is that what they called maybe, those? Maybe I I wish I had one yeah. in front of me, but but the point is, while well, I did have, I have a bunch of those. I have most of like at least like uh, most of the first four or five volumes of of Green Lantern. Uh, so we so we could have done that, just like I think this this issue I have also in in one of those books. But one of the main reasons I drew my attention to it was number one, I had the I actually had the physical issue of this comic book, <laughs> not in great shape as as we found out when we went to record the first time because as soon as I opened the cover, the inside's not connected to the cover anymore. <laughs> but I actually have uh, and we're talking about Green Lantern number twenty uh, that. Silver Age, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern number twenty, uh, which is what nineteen April nineteen sixty three. That I had this issue, I physically had this issue, and I had this issue out. I have a certain number, certain specific comics that I have out uh, downstairs, ready to ready to go into. Mostly, re- actually, and I have to nag Jim about this. Mostly Spectre related. So when we go back to do do uh, a pre birth or something, that I have all the, the that's where I have all the. Re- the Spectre issues, the one through twenty-seven, and some of the JSA appearances of the Spectre and with Hal, and in that stack of books, which is also where I had the eighty-page Giants and things like that, which is why we'll go back to one of those soon. <laughs> uh, I actually happen to have a bunch of the Silver Age issues of Hal, excuse me, that I actually own, and one of those issues was Green Lantern twenty, and I really liked the cover. I thought the cover was the cover was pretty, it kind of drew you in. Yeah, for sure. Well, you want to take people into it and give them a, a thousand-foot recap of this uh, issue? As you were giving the intro, I, I do remember – I remember the one thing we didn't do to, during the testing today was to actually make sure it's recording the entire <laughs> – both tracks of this conversation. Uh, should we have faith? <laughs> Uh, let's 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 do it now, and I'll edit out the entire. I, I, part just, of it. I just didn't want to give you any more editing, so that's kind of why. I, I, at this point, I was almost willing to let it go. Uh, if there was a way I could, and if my recorder was different, where I could just by muting my mic, I could listen, and then you would no one else would know. But at last, that's not how it works. Uh, well, give us a quick second here, yeah, and folks, and we'll be we'll be we'll be. I don't know. I'll play. Let's all go to the lobby or something. <laughs> who, who, who all knows? <laughs> Mark Marble. And this is... We're good. Awesome. So now we're back. Okay. Into the recap. Here we go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You missed the recap. On to the Avengers Endgame talk. <laughs> All right. So the issue we're doing, as I said, is Green Lantern number 20. A team up between Barry Allen's Flash and Hal is Green Lantern. And the issue is Parasite Planet Peril. A book-length novel co-starring Green Lantern and the Flash. Back in the days when covers actually in, were pretty indicative of things that actually happened in the issue. <laughs> <laughs> More times than not. You had a little hyperbole here and there. But the reality is this this shows Barry Allen tr- actually sh- recharging Hal's Green Lantern ring saying, I've got only a moment to charge Green Lantern's power ring and save him from fading away into nothingness. And while after, as he's saying nothingness, Hal's on, Hal's on his knees, uh, basically almost on all fours, and he's fading into nothingness. <laughs> Spoiler alert! All right, so let me get the uh, as I ever gingerly remove the issue from what's left of its co- cover. So sad. 
So uh, this is uh, you know this is a Silver Age book because it gives you that it gives you that nice in media ray as opening splash page which, which tells you about something you're going to encounter later in the story. And this doesn't fail. It gives you a good one though. It's, it's Hal and Barry looking at this device which has Carol and Iris trapped in it, and one of these these aliens who, of course, we're going to know they, they are the should we call them aliens really? <laughs> they kind of yeah. sort of are, yeah. Uh, the, the, but they're but they're small. But they're small. SML. <laughs> the microids. One of the microid leaders is saying it to Hal and. Barry, that pretty much if you use your superpowers to try to stop us, that you know that Iris and Carol are gonna they're gonna be dead. So that's something we will we will encounter later in the story. So the basic uh, premise of this this story, I guess I guess we could phrase it that way, it has to do with this mysterious vanishing plague that's occurring in Coast City, and the, you know, everybody's reporting about. Reporting on it, we see an example of what happens where somebody starts not, you know, not feeling well. Then they start literally becoming faint and start losing color. And before you know it, boom, they're gone. So nobody can figure out what's going on. They all come up with theories. Everything, they all, all, everything the scientists and the doctors are testing, nothing, nothing works. So they come up with a relatively, as Chad and I, I think, agreed upon the last time we did this, a relatively solid plan, especially for a Silver Age book, in which they decided to use – Use the powers of both Hal and Barry to try to isolate and maybe solve, get us, get us a solution and a cure for this plague. By the next time they, a victim was detected and, and diagnosed with this disease, that Barry was going to use his super speed to, to to get to him, bring him to the hospital. Hal was going to use his power ring to more or less try to keep to pump the power, surround this guy or girl, whoever the victim was, to make sh- try to keep them from fading away, hoping that you know that green energy and, and his rain could keep them maybe around a little bit longer than maybe that he would or he should he or she would normally, just so the scientists and the doctors could maybe figure out a cure for what's going on. We find out that uh, that Carol has volunteered to help in this time of crisis. Carol Ferris steps up. And uh, and also it's a nice excuse to be close to Green Lantern. Iris is Iris West is there doing her job, but not because she gives a, rat, a rat's ass about the Flash, but because she's doing her job. And as far as she's concerned, she left Barry back in Central City, unfortunately, because you know she's got a she's got work to do here. So if, if they find a victim. The next one pops up. Barry does exactly what he's supposed to do. Hal's trying to do what he's supposed to do. But to no avail, you know, the, the victim pretty much fades away relatively quickly. And, you know, but Hal keeps fighting. Hal keeps trying to do everything he can to keep this, vic- this, this victim of the plague from fading away completely. But as he is, Barry starts noticing that Hal starts, you know, he starts sweating a little bit more. He starts looking more faint. And uh, before you know it, Hal is becoming really, really weak. Barry obviously knows he's got the plague and... He breaks it to Hal that he's got the plague. Hal's so weak he can't even, you know, re- recharge the ring. Barry takes him to his locker at Coast City, and again, at this point, Hal is so weak he's down in the same position we see on the cover. Barry takes Hal's ring, puts it to the power battery. Hal recites the oath, but pretty much right as right after that happens, Barry tries to use the ring to, you know, to to lift Hal up and protect him, but Hal fades away. Hal is the Biggest name victim of this of this disease so far, this plague. So Bar- Barry, 
as the Flash, of course. He breaks this to Iris and to Carol. Carol's all upset, and I guess kind of by proxy because of what Carol's going through, Iris actually shows some emotion because Iris tends to come across in this book certainly as a little colder fish than Carol. But the Flash points out that you know before he faded away, Hal kind of had this idea that some unknown microorganism could be at work here. It could be basically the cause of this plague. So, Bar- so Barry, the Flash, was determined to try to follow up on this you know, hypothesis, and because he, he kind of owed it to Hal, uh, just like he just like he swore vengeance pretty much for uh, for Hal fading away. So Barry uses you know his knowledge, you know his forensic knowledge. He uses uh, his super speed, to, and he to use this advanced electron microscope, and he takes a tissue culture from from the lab from from the, one of the victims, and he keeps magnifying it, but it's not magnified enough but he uses Hal's ring to basically amp up the power and he sees this weird looking alien dude who we're going to find out is a microid uh, because we're looking at Micridion and Barry's looking at this guy he's looking back at Barry and and he's kind of getting he's kind of getting creeped out by him not just because of the the, not just because he has this evil look on his face but just the mere fact that he seems aware of what's going on then all of a sudden uh, the alien the micro disappears off the, off his scan, off the scanner, and Barry has the idea that hey, if I use Green Lantern's ring, maybe I can basically shrink myself down small enough to basically go to where the micron, excuse me, the, uh, the microscope showed where the microids were, and that's exactly what Barry does. That that ends part one. Part two, uh, we basically we basically find all the people that were shrunk are like being basically kept in a like a not really a cell, but they're being roped off in kind of like almost like some concentration camp kind of thing, internment camp. And we kind of get a backstory on what's going on here that the microids basically use their, you know, their psychic powers, their telepathy and everything to enslave the Bowards, which are these muscular, super, you know, super strong, but obviously not overly bright and certainly psychologically weak, mentally weak beings in their, in their world. So the microids use their, their advanced, uh, psychic powers, mental powers to keep them in line and to do all the dirty work and the heavy lifting, literally. But after all, but sometimes after a while, the microids end up kind of like draining their own mental batteries. So they use, and what's, that's why this vanishing play is going on now, they use other uh, living creatures to pull in there so they can basically, almost like a, like a psychic uh, or psionic vampire, su- sucking all this brain waves and, pa- and energy out of the, their victims and recharging their own batteries, and that's really what the microids want want with all these people. Uh, Hal, it's Hal's turn to basically get his brain drained, and Hal and Hal fights back. And but Hal's taken on the microids. All of a sudden, Barry Allen shows up and says, "Hey, your power beam brought me here," <laughs> and flashes his super speed to kick to kick some ass. He gives Hal his Green Lantern ring back. Uh, Hal is. While Barry gr- takes all the remaining uh, victims, w- soon to be victims, all the uh, the vanished, if you will, in the internment camp, that Barry basically runs them all out of here uh, as far as he can. They're still in, you know, my Critian, but he gets them out of there. Basically, the, the, the immediate danger. Let's put it that way. Hal ma- magnetizes all the microids, which is kind of neat because they get attracted to the metal in the room and they all go clanging there. <clears throat> Uh, Hal, Hal and Barry pretty much find the uh, the room that's tap, you know has the brain power draining going on, 
and they they free they free uh, one victim from that machine. Then they really you know they're talking about the you know about the Bowards and how the Bowards are slaves. At some point during this operation, they're going to have to uh, free the the Bowards. Hal and Barry end up in the uh, the headquarters of the, of the Microids, and that's when the Microids pretty much uh, now we get the tie into the the opening splash page where the the Microids show Iris and Carol, and they brought Carol and, and Iris there and said, "Hey, if you use any of your powers, you know, and you get in our way, that you know the, the, this devastator, which is what they call a device, you know, it's gonna it's gonna completely destroy uh, the two the two women." So Hal and Barry pretty much are being marched off with the microids, and they got to figure out how to get out of this. And at the, as this part ends, Hal and Barry throw caution to the wind and go just go mano y mano there without using their powers to take out the three microids that are uh, guarding them or uh, taking them away. And of course, right at this moment, of course, two other microids show up. Really poor timing. <clears throat> so part three begins. Barry and Hal just continue to whoop a lot of microid ass. And then they have to get back to the command post. Uh, when, when they do that, Barry basically makes a beeline for the Devastator and destroys it. Once the Devastator is destroyed, then Hal and Barry use the superpowers again. Uh, it's, it's, there's a nice tandem work here. One hand washes the other as uh, Barry kind of like pulls – he kind of knocks, knocks Hal out of the way before he, he can get blasted. And then uh, – Hal uses his power ring to protect Barry from getting shot from behind by one of, one of the microids. I like the way Hal pretty much creates a giant, a giant satchel, and the Flash pretty much uses his, you know his super speed to knock all the microids into this into this construct bag. The Bowers are all free. The Bowers are all you know happy, and Hal and Barry pretty much say, "Hey, uh, they're not they're not in charge of you anymore, so we're kind of counting on you to keep them in control or keep them from basically becoming a problem again. And it's like we promised it's a small p- price to pay for our freedom. Hal and uh, Barry go back to where the the remaining uh, vanished are in Macridian, being and they're being nursed and cared for by Carol and Iris. <clears throat> Hal and Barry end up you know they all end up returning back safely to Earth, and ha- and we have a Interesting dinner between the four of them in their human – or human, I should say, in their, in their secret identities related to Hal and Barry. Everybody in civilian garb and Carol and Iris continue to tell the story to, to Barry and Hal. And, of course, they all have to play stupid because of the fact that, of course, they know the story better than the girls do. But, of course, they just have to sit there and play along. That's the end of the recap. Yeah, it's a very uh, quintessential 60s story. I mean, if you couldn't tell by the Gil Kane artwork, of course, you have a lot of uh, things like I think when we we initially covered this, uh, we were talking about how, uh, you know, the plan is for them to go, you know, uh, try and help them. But in the meantime, we've got a, a, a bank of telephone girls on 20, 24 hour duty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was specific, specifically working the phones are the ladies. Um, and then that, there's like a kind of a secondary kind of thing when, uh, you know, Carol has to explain that she's there volunteering as a nurse. But of course, the gossip columnist will hint that yes. I did it to be near Green Lantern, which isn't true. Not at all. At the, at the um, same point, Iris points out how much she loathes the Flash. <laughs> I could get three pounds of monkey crap about the Flash, which I don't quite understand why. 
I don't quite understand the correlation there because Iris starts to say, you know, in a way we are lucky, Carol. She says, I get why Carol's lucky. I don't quite get why why she was lucky. I love that from maybe from a, from a, from writing a, a cool story perspective because she seems right. to be not thrilled at all being around the Flash. So I I still don't quite see why that's lucky, but I guess maybe that that's all it is. It's just the fact that that hey I'm around a good story and I could give two craps about this guy. <laughs> you gotta admit though that's that's probably one of the best things about Barry and Iris back then is everybody else was doing the whole um, she's in love with my alter ego she doesn't care about the real me sort of a thing whereas Barry and Iris were completely opposite she gave she gave no care in the world about the Flash but loved Barry. That is true. It is it is unique. I mean there's there's no doubt about that. <clears throat> And I think we were also talking, you mentioned earlier about the, the kind of solidness of this plan. Like, uh, hey, they're disappearing real real quick. Get the quick guy to go grab them and get them to the hospital as quickly as possible so we can get as much data as possible. And, hey, we don't know how your ring works, Green Lantern, but since you're here, uh, let's see if it does anything. Uh, so that's that was actually pretty pretty well uh, pretty well coordinated of the people to call on the uh, the Lantern and Flash like that. Yeah, too too bad Hal shit the bed. No, it's like <laughs> Barry ba- Barry's the hero of this story <laughs> for the most part. I'm I'm curious if is how how they um chose Green Lantern or uh, how they started to affect him because they make it seem like this is a contagious thing, but like how, how did he get chosen by the microids to be brought down? Was his ring actually doing something, and that's when they decided to choose him? Or not, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It, I mean, it could be it could be contagious. I mean, it could be a contagion from that perspective, and maybe Barry was a little more immune to it because of how fast he was moving. Maybe you know, I don't know. Um, maybe his metabolism is so high that it couldn't really take the effect that it would on somebody else. I don't know. I don't know if they. I don't know if they zeroed in on Hal on purpose or if it was just a byproduct of him being around. Or, but it could be. It could be where maybe they were. Maybe they were a little concerned, or maybe they were a little intrigued, at least, and they figured, hey, he's got a lot of willpower. Maybe that can help us somehow. <laughs> right. Charge up our brains. Well. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it, it, I guess in that way it's good because it leaves the scientists behind with a powerful ring to figure out how to figure, get down there and, and get things taken care of. So that's that's cool. And the way they handle it all is is very well coordinated. Like I said, um, it's funny though. There's uh, there's an ad in here for the very best uh, for the very best uh, Superman DC National Comics in comics reading, and it shows an advertisement for the Flash. Uh, what number is that? The Flash, uh, maybe 136, if it's hard to tell digitally. What page are you I know I saw um, that ad. Oh, that's right, the page numbers might not be the same. I'm fla- I'm flipping through, okay. Uh, yeah, the Flash and the Atom. Yeah, Flash and Atom. Oh, Flash looks like oh, Flash yeah. 136, uh, and, um... Adam looks like maybe number eight or six or something like that. It looks like a single digit. It is hard to um, read. It is very hard to read. But it's interesting, in this story, <laughs> where Flash and Green Lantern shrink down to this microscopic size to deal with this world unknown, they're advertising an Atom story. <laughs> so that's sort of weird that we didn't have uh, Adam in here. And it seems like they're using, you know, Adam must have, 
Because Adam didn't first appear in his own comic. He also got his start in Showcase, right? I think that's correct. So if he's if he's then become popular enough to get his own series, the same way Green Lantern started off in Showcase in terms of the Silver Age, uh, and then got his own series, you would think that you know Gil Kane and and John Broom would see this story and see it as a prime opportunity, or hell, maybe um, maybe any of the uh, editors over uh, at DC at the time would see it as a prime opportunity. Let's get Adam. You know, he's become popular. He's branched out of Showcase into his own title. Uh, it's still very early on. Let's keep this traction going. Let's team him up with one of our big successes at this time, Green Lantern. That's a good possibility. I mean, that's a good thinking. It's solid thinking anyway, so I'm not sure... Um who was the editor? Is it Mort Weisinger or is this no? This I feel like this is too early for Julie Schwartz. It may be Julie though. Mm. I know it's not like the good old. I mean, not like the new the new old days <laughs> uh, when when Lord knows you, you know every single you know you know you know every single person who ever even touched a piece of paper that in, involved in making the book. I know. <laughs> No, not like it was that way with the, you know with comics back then. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. I know I know where to find it online um, from a relatively reputable source. Um, was there anything else about this you wanted? Because you 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 kind of talked a bit about it while you were recapping it. But uh, is there anything else about it you wanted to kind of point out? Well, I want I, I do want to mention something. Like you mentioned with one of the ads, I do want to mention the ads, but. It, but it's about the actual story. I mean, from a from a this is a, a silver you know it's typical silver age story from the in the from the perspective of that you know. Well, to be fair, this is not overly wordy. I mean, it's still wordy because that's the way the books were back then. But it, it's not the worst example of it. <laughs> and it, it's it's there's a lot of exposition. There's no doubt about that. But the basic plot is is pretty straightforward. It's not. It's not in the Grant Morrison style where you may you could read the book completely through one time depending on the issue and still have no clue what what ninety percent of the shit was you just read. This is pretty. This is rel, this is pretty straightforward. The plan seemed pretty straightforward as far as what the the heroes were trying to do from the bad guys' perspective. They did have a plan and and, and it kind of made a little bit of sense. So I, I right. thought just it was it was a it was a fun team up again. It's not the first flash and. And Green Lantern one, I and mean, we can't, we will do that issue. We will, we will do mm-hmm. that. But I, oh just, yeah, for sure. But I just figured it was, it was good. We, we like to do flat. You know, you, I know you like to do a lot of Flash and Green Lantern stuff too. And I happen to have this issue, so I thought it was, and it, and it wasn't, it was an entertaining, entertaining story. And it was, and on some levels, I don't think it was as schlocky as a lot of Silver Age stuff. So yeah, I was right. Uh, pencils obviously Gil Kane. Script obviously John Broom. Uh, inks on the cover was Murphy Anderson, and inks on the inside was Joe Gaella. Uh, Gaella, I forget how you say his name. Uh, letters Gaspar Saladino. Um, so I mean, or Saladino, Saladino. Um, so all of those classic Silver Age uh, DC names. Um, and the editor was in fact Julie Schwartz. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Julie was a shrewd dude, so I, I, I would expect him to 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 uh, try and pitch it, or unless he thought, hey, um, Flash is also extremely successful. It maybe makes more sense to team up the two extremely successful people than risk trying to 
bring in this relatively i mean i hesitate to, i hesitate to say untested because clearly he graduated from showcase into his own series by this point but i don't know maybe he just maybe maybe because uh, i have a i have a book on julie um that i read a long time ago and i i need to read it again but uh it's called man of two worlds um and i'll i'll have to i'll have to reread that because I'm pretty sure Julie was just a fan of The Flash in general. I'm not sure that Julie actually edited The Flash. I can't remember how many editors were on staff at DC at the time and who was handling what. So that said, that said it was issue, um, we were thinking maybe like 136, something like that, right? Silver Age? Yeah, it was 136 or 138. It is, in the printed copy, honestly, I don't I don't think it's just you. Uh, it it was... I mean, you have the advantage if it's a digital to be able to get closer to it, but it's really hard to read. Again, it's it's definitely well, what's the Mirror Masters Invincibility Bodyguard? Yeah, Invincible. Yeah, invent. Yeah, it's one thirty six. I just looked up the cover gallery. I've been looking it up on comics.org, by the way, guys. If anybody, so it's basically a grand comic book database, but the URL is comics.org. Um, I use it for a lot of things. Uh, it, it'll tell you the breakdowns of who did what, especially on these books that you can't, you don't see the the, t- the credits given. That is number one thirty six. Julie was the editor at the time, so let's see if he was the editor of the Atom. At the time this was coming out, so this is the 1960s, and we're thinking that was early in, like issue six or so. Yep, 1963. This was. What does it say? Highwaymen and the Mighty Might. Is that what that says? Oh, hold it. Yeah, hold on. I'm back to the page. Uh, the Highwaymen and the and the Mighty Might. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um. Yeah, that is issue number six. Um. <clears throat> Pencils, Gil Kane, inks, Murphy Anderson, script by Gardner Fox. That's interesting. Uh, interior, oh, hold on. Yeah, okay, so yeah. Uh, but also edited by Julie Schwartz. So yeah, Julie was handling both titles, well, all three titles, Adam, Flash, and Green Lantern. So I don't see any particular reason why he wouldn't have chosen Adam. It's I, The more I research it, the more it doesn't make sense, but... I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go back and read uh, Man of Two Worlds again. But, um, yeah, there's one other website we should mention because we mentioned it last time, but now it's not quite as much as a surprising reveal to you. (laughs) What are you talking uh, about, Chad? (laughs) Uh, When we initially recorded this, this was really close to our coverage of Green Lantern number three, the Grant Morrison and uh, Liam Sharp uh, run, of course. And what does that have to do with a comic from the 60s? Well, in uh, a panel of Green Lantern number three, there's a splash of quite a few different villains. You folks will remember it when you saw like Queen Bee and Agamemno and Graven and a White Martian. There was Steppenwolf and Mongal and Overmaster <laughs> and a bunch of others. Um, well, if you go to that same page... Towards the very top row, the row the, the the very top is is the big guy in the cloak who were, we we were thinking was like maybe time traveler. It's just the shepherd in disguise. Um, but the row underneath him, where there's like three or four people, um, there you you can see some of Evil Star Starlings. To the right, to your right of Evil Star Starlings, there sits a Mercid, uh, a Mikrid, and a Boward. 
that is pretty neat. So th- that was very cool. Um, obviously, it was a much bigger surprise uh, to Mark when 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 because I had him like open up the comic and, and go find it. He's like, oh, "I'll be damned!" Um, <laughs> but golly, um, golly, boy! Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it was it was really cool to see that. And and here's here's where we found this because it was it's such it's a such a cool site. We actually mentioned it on when we were covering was it Green Lantern number five, uh, sort of. Yeah. Uh, future referring to a past episode <laughs> there's a website out there called theshareduniverse.com and it looks like this guy's name is Jesse Russell um, and he does this site and there's a uh, there's a post on here called Deep Dive the Green Lantern issue number 3 and he's done a ton of research on, on a lot of this stuff and he really breaks the shit out of this comic down man like he just he really dives deep. Um, and uh, when we were covering issue five, uh, I, you know, I actually I bookmarked this site so that I could come back to it and use it anytime we have uh, future coverage. And uh, in, in, in Green Lantern number five, there wasn't a ton of stuff for us to, to uh, kind of call back to other than maybe the Justice League stuff um, involving um, – Oh, what was it? Uh, the vampire. Oh, uh, the vampire guy. Oh, yeah, the oh, yeah, Belzebeth's dad. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, what was his name? Starbreaker. Yeah, um, from from Justice League uh, '98 uh, back in the '60s, but uh, yeah, '60-ish, uh, maybe '70s. Um, but uh, yeah, man. If 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 the, you are reading an issue, for instance, like Green Lantern number th- the Green Lantern number three, when you remember is just like super packed with a lot of stuff that you see and you know has to be a reference to something. Uh, man, I recommend going over to the shared universe. I mean, Mark and I don't make money off of this thing yet, <laughs> um, but uh, so we have no problem. You know, you, you got to get your research where you can. And this shared the, the this uh, the shareduniverse.com site is pretty awesome. Mark, you bookmarked it too, right? I have a bookmarks. The interesting thing is I have a bookmark. The question is whether I can find the bookmark depending where I put the bookmark. <laughs> so I'm going to have to bookmark <laughs> it again probably. I know you sent it to me in Facebook. So that's probably that's probably where I'm going to go back and bookmark it a second time and just make it where because I stuck I think I stuck it in the folders. It's just a matter of finding where what subfolder in my bookmarks. It is, but yeah, it, it it was cool. It all that the way they they way they broke that down, that was that was that was pretty impressive. Impressive. We were looking and, and not. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not doing a deep dive here. I'm just on the first page of results from the shareduniverse.com, and uh, all of the articles show as by Jesse Russell. There may be other people involved with this, but so far it just looks like Jesse Russell is uh, is the main dude. But uh, don't take my word for it. It, it. It's a great it's a great site. I seem to I, I really enjoy it. Yes, we were we went there looking to yeah we went there looking to see if we there were any more of those vampires. In, right, in for issue, sure. In issue five, if there was any more clarification on, on the less than obvious, the ones that were less than obvious, like you know the, the Lestat and all that, and all that, uh, and Mo- the Morbius-looking guy, and so. But when we looked at least the last time, they didn't have any. They he didn't have any deep dive info on that. It didn't look like. Uh, no, he said uh, most of the other characters are involving from the uh, what what oh, we yes, do in yes, the yes, that, that movie, that movie, yeah. that movie, that yeah, movie. yeah. 
but yeah, there's uh, it's 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 a really great site, guys. You should definitely check it out. Um, lots of lots of cool little shout outs. This guy really seems to break down stuff. I'm gonna have to look him up and see if I can like follow him on on uh, Twitter or something like that. Um, I, I don't see a link when you click on his name taking you to a Twitter or anything, but I'm sure I can try and hunt him down, stalking him on Twitter. He'll be a, uh, he'll, but, be a, he'll be a future guest, <laughs> whether he wants to or not. <laughs> I'll always I always find a way to do that, um, but <laughs> in some one way or another, one way or another, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> oh man! All right, and, and that's why uh, we're anything else about in seventeen this? countries? <laughs> uh, is there anything else about this? Uh, oh yeah, uh, this uh, uh, comic so, you want to break down? Ever so briefly, yeah. Let me let's look at the fun ads that we have in here. The, the, oh, yeah. the, there, there's nothing. There's really nothing sweeter than like 60s and 70s uh, comic books in there, and the advertisements they have in there. Let's see, you got the self-teaching encyclopedia on the inside cover. That's pretty neat. Um, and also, if, back in the old days when there really weren't that many pages of ads, <laughs> you got the Green Lantern's mail shoot, which under under different circumstances would be worth looking at, but not now. We got the Tootsie Roll rocket. None of these are my favorites yet, but I do like the I do like the uh, as I, we did mention the first time going through this. I always liked when they had all the toys and all the uh, especially because at different times they had different uh, different play sets that were that were limited. That sometimes they were some things carried on forever, and some things were just very indicative of the time period, or they just or they kind of like phased them in and out. So they had missile attack. Which I don't remember ever seeing in the '70s, so that didn't so that didn't last that didn't last particularly long. Uh, as the 104 Nights, I don't remember seeing either in the '70s, as opposed to the as we and we did talk about this, the hundred toy soldiers in the in the packed in the Footlocker. They made those all throughout the '70s because I I because I ha, I definitely had at least a couple of those sets. And you like the you know I was yeah I like the automobiles. Uh, I was I never had. I would. I don't seem to remember being super into toy soldiers or like knights or anything like that. Granted, obviously, I, I you know I'm younger than you, so I, I grew up in a completely different thing where I was, you know, my my main thing was te- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Underdog. I don't know, you know, I don't know why Underdog because I know Underdog is a is a classic cartoon. I'm I'm sure there were reruns of it or something, but I or maybe my dad watched it as a kid. I I don't seem to remember there being tapes though. In the house, I think it was just something that was um, being rerun. Um, but for me, the the big things were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like all the way, Denver the Last Dinosaur, Underdog, and I, I think that's like maybe Power Rangers. But a lot of people my age are obsessed with Power Rangers, but I don't think that was my thing. I remember liking like the first movie when they did the whole White Tiger Zord thing. But uh, beyond beyond that, I don't remember having a huge obsession with them at the time. But it was a definitely big into TMNT. I do I did have a bunch of cars though. I remember when the Batman movies were coming out. I I want to say it was eighty nine Batman, but it couldn't have been because I would have only been two. So I think it might have been Batman Returns or or one of the latter films. Uh, I had uh, like some little micro machines of like the Batmobile and uh, a, like a purple Joker van and like a little metal 
uh, Batwing. When where was the plane in? Was it was it the was it Batman Forever? Yes. Okay, so it had yeah. Well, actually, it, it was in it was there was a plane in, in the in the Michael Keaton one too. Because that's what he gathered all the balloons up. That's true. You know, maybe it was just a retro callback or something. Who knows? Um, but it definitely it couldn't have been when it, when the movie came out though, because I there's no way I would have had a tiny little micro machine toy at age two. Um, but I do I do remember having lots of little toy cars. So these were cool. I like that it came in the little. It came in a box that looks like a garage. That's cool. Packaging is important. And what do we say they were named? It said it was uh, made of pure plastic styrene. So they weren't like little like metal Hot Wheels cars or anything like that, unfortunately. But it makes sense if they're some sort of pure plastic styrene or whatever that uh, it's 147 for 249. Yeah, they were. They definitely had some really interesting. Back in those, back in the day, they definitely had some interesting thing. Oh, there was an advertisement for Grit, that classic newspaper. I, I, I meant to mention that, and I got distracted. Sell Grit uh, and stamps, of course. They always used to sell stamps. In the seventies, they were in the seventies as action figures actually started to become big. They were real big at a- advertising action figures. I do remember that, uh, whether it was Star Wars or the Migos and things like that. But I did have a lot of the toy soldiers. I did have the the, Ro- the the Roman the Roman set. I had I had I had two, I know I had two versions of the Roman set because I, the originals were the hard plastic that would break, and then they changed mm-hmm. it to the softer plastic which didn't because I actually I still have a complete set including I believe the catapults of the newer set because I actually got those I got those I think in the early in the early eighties because we used to my stepbrothers and I we used to. We used a lot of the plastic soldiers, like the H, the Airfix plastic soldiers, and we used to set them up and stuff. And sometimes to use to to act as artillery, we would use the the, the catapults from the uh, from that set from the just because it was it was random and it was a lot a lot less noisy and a lot less messy than actually rolling something and wiping out a gazillion soldiers at once. It made it a little more random, like you know. Art- but I. But I, I definitely had those. I had a lot of the air air sea battle ones, and I still remember the one that always got away from me was the Civil War one. I think it was the Chickamauga set that had the supposedly had the exploding forts and everything. That I never was able to get. That I ordered it one time back. My grandmother, I think, ordered it for me like in the seventies. But this was, I think, technically when the Vietnam War was still still technically going on. I believe mm. so. Plastic was kind of there was a shortage at the time, so I think that's the reason why that might have got wiped out. And then it, that was just one. That was like the holy grail of those things that I never, that I never got that I would have, I would have liked to have gotten. But that's why that's why I kind of gravitate towards towards those things when I see them in these uh, books. All right. Well, uh, you want to go ahead and talk a bit about uh, Endgame, huh? Yes. Actually, as opposed to last time where we just missed the trailer, right, or whatever it was, or that we just missed the tra- right. Isn't that what happened? We just when we did the Captain Marvel, when we did the Captain Marvel, right. I think we we were one day off. That at least today uh, we were actually the timing was really good because today was the day as we're recording this on Tuesday, what the second, that mm-hmm. the Endgame tickets went on sale. So I got my special event, uh, the fan event. 
tickets. For that and the internet broke, apparently. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm not... It seems like around here that they don't blow out as quickly. I do know. I did notice that tonight. I did notice that the seven o'clock showing on Thursday, the two D showing, the seven o'clock Thursday night showing on the twenty fifth is sold out. I'm not sure if anything else did, but during the day, nothing sold out. But I wanted to get the fan yeah. event. I wanted to get the fan event, which starts at five o'clock, and that's the one that gives you the the, the it gives you the soda and the and the popcorn combo, and you get the collector's coins and everything. So I got my tickets, but because because Marvel is the gift that keeps on giving, they also released a released a special look, which essentially counts as a what a, a third trailer, and hopefully, right. hopefully the last, hopefully the last trailer, um, hopefully the last yeah. new footage, because we don't need to see anymore. That's not. We'll, we'll get. I'm sure we'll get it some TV spots. We might get, yeah, well, I'm not, I know we're going to get TV spots. I just hope we don't get any significant new footage in the TV spots because yeah. we, they don't need it. This movie's going to do buku money. It doesn't need it, and we don't need any more anything spoiled. Like we keep going back to Ultron. They, you know, they, they, were, they did the wrong approach with Ultron. They don't need to do this. This just this is everything they've shown has been good. It's been what they've done has been excellent. I think the team, I think the Super Bowl commercial was the weakest of what they've done so far. But considering how yeah. short it was, you can't say it was horrible. But to me, it wasn't as effective as the first trailer, as the uh, whatever it takes trailer. That, you know, we just got like two weeks ago, or whatever, give or take, maybe three weeks ago, and this, which yeah. course, which probably is the most effective overall. But we don't. Yeah, I definitely to, enjoyed it. Yeah, we don't need. We just don't need to see more footage because we don't need any. We don't need any more of the movie really spoiled. That's the way I kind of. That's the way. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get any tickets. As you as you guys know, I always get the hookup with uh, my friends, my various friends over at Alamo Draft House, and uh, with a movie this big, there's just absolutely no way I'm going to be able to get a free ticket to go see it on opening weekend. I guess it's possible. Maybe, but I, I really doubt it. Um, so I'll probably I'll probably have to see it the weekend after, or maybe during the week uh, after the initial. Um, like maybe I'll go like on a Tuesday night after work or something. Who the hell knows? Um, uh, to go see it or something like that. We'll see. Um, so I definitely won't be able to see it open opening weekend. I, I'll I'll probably be like seeing Shazam this weekend. Um, you know, uh, we we recently changed shifts at my job. To, instead of working eight hours uh, a day, Monday through Friday, uh, people have various shifts so that we're always in the office at some point. And um, I'm actually uh, – I, I got lucky and got the Monday through Thursday shift. So I'll be, I work 730 to 630 uh, Monday through Thursday, and I get every Friday, Saturday, Sunday off now. So that's that's you know kind of catch-22 getting used to a new shift but also get three days off in a row. My birthday is on, uh, uh, on the 6th, which is Saturday. So um, hopefully I'll be able to go see Shazam. I'm hearing great things about it, but I don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to see Endgame opening weekend. It just from from the buzz, from the way like uh, various fan, Fandango sites and things like that were just crashing. It just sounds like it's too big for me to you know finagle a free ticket opening weekend to go see it. But we'll see. You never know. That's true. Uh, so we're over on the Marvel. Uh, Marvel Studios, or rather Marvel Entertainment YouTube page. Uh, it is the Marvel. Its official title is Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame Special Look. It is a one-minute even a video, uh, and we're starting at the zero 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 mark. Uh, you want to hit play? I'm going to hit play. Ready?
All right. If we do this, we'd be going in shorthanded. Yeah, you mean because he killed all our friends? We owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. It's not about how much we lost. It's about how much we have left. We're the Avengers. We gotta finish this. You trust me? I do. live with your own failure where did that bring you back to me tickets on sale now cool yeah for sure you know it may uh, there's obviously a lot to talk about here. I don't want to say a lot because we, we you and I have gone over this quite a bit. Uh, but there's in a lot for a, mi- for a minute. There's actually a lot of stuff yeah. to unpack for a minute, I think. Right. My One of the – like just the small things I noticed, uh, that scene with uh, Natasha in the rain, I, I, I'm pretty sure that takes place after she – either right before she or right after she finds yes. Hawkeye. Yep, I agree. Because um, – yeah, it looks like it's taking place in like a little Japanese sort of – the architecture of that area that she's in looks like Japanese uh, sort of a thing. And we know that, of course, you know, Ronin um, is what he's called and everything. Here's what I'm wondering is that scene where Captain Marvel and uh, and Rocket are piloting, piloting the ship and everyone else is in there. Which is the scene, Tony, I, just forward, which is the scene I just forwarded to because I'm uh, thinking yes. Tony's not there, and it makes me it, it, neither's Nebula, and it makes me wonder if if either a they're on their way to rescue or b they're on their way to confront Thanos and uh, and find Tony along the way. Like it makes me wonder if this confrontation or maybe uh, maybe we have more than one confrontation with Thanos happens like early in the film and. You know, either the conversation doesn't go well, or they try and fight him again, and that doesn't go. Whatever the case may be, and then they come up with the whole quantum realm stuff, which is why that time passage thing is happening. Because it that it makes it seem like that is something that happens like midway through the movie, not towards the end. Well, the, 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 to me, the real clue, and that's the reason why. But good, good call, by the way, because that was the uh, that, even though there's other stuff we want to talk about. That's the scene that I actually wanted to forward to and pause. Uh, the real clue this takes place early in the movie is is the fact that Natasha's got short blonde hair. Yeah. That so that indicates that it happens relatively sh- shortly after the snap. Uh, you don't see Scott in that scene either, I believe. No. Which means. Again, more indicative if it happens right after the snap because we know Captain Marvel shows up shortly after shortly after the snap. Uh, so wherever they're going, whether they're going to confront Thanos, whatever they're doing, I think this scene, as good trailers do, they, they cut a bunch of things in that make you – that if you don't break it down – I mean obviously you can break it down too much and it could be edited in CGI to confuse you. But based on the things that we're seeing, the only thing that's confusing is it looks like it looks very similar to the guardianship, right? That's what makes that the interior anyway. But no matter what, it looks like this is pre-Nebula, 
pre-Tony coming back, pre-Scott coming back. That's what it looks like because of who's in this scene. You just have everybody who we saw at the end of Infinity War. The Avengers we know existed at the end of Infinity War, plus Captain Marvel, who showed up. Except for Banner, and Banner would make sense not, that he wouldn't be going, because of this is relatively shortly after the snap. Whatever deal he ends up working, whatever agreement merging that ends up between him and the Hulk's personality probably hasn't had time to happen yet. So taking Banner would be pointless, because be, he would pretty much be useless in a fight. He would pretty much be useless at this stage. So if Banner isn't there, unless he's also helping coordinate them wherever they're going back from the headquarters, it would make well, sense. Well, let me, yeah, well, let me, let me, let me interrupt. Maybe Banner, uh, maybe because remember when when Ant Man shows up, Natasha, you know, when when uh, Cap saying is this old footage, she still has her short blonde hair. So I'm wondering if Banner stays behind with with Scott as. You know, to sort of work on the technology that's, that's there that's as, as 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 Plan B. That is a good, that that is a very very good a very strong possibility that that Bruce could be trying to unlock trying to unlock the tech. But I would I would absolutely but I would absolutely say that yes this this is from the beginning of the movie. This is this I would say this is from the re- relatively early on in the beginning of the movie. And if I had to bet, yes, pre Nebula and Tony coming back wherever they're going. They may not be going to fight Thanos. They could be, but they may not be. Uh, so that, but that's that is yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the things I wanted. I, I well, yeah. well, here's here's why I think they're on their way to fight Thanos rather than rescue Tony, because Captain Marvel's there. Why would she be? Why would she be going with him on a mission to rescue Tony? Oh, I'm not the one who's put the put the rescuing Tony theory out there. Don't forget you. That's true. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that was a possibility. You're the one. You're the one who threw that out there as the two choices. I think there's most there's other choices, but those are the most. But yeah, they they could be going, they could be going to confront. And that would make sense. Just like at the end of the at the end of this trailer, the narration by Thanos I think is also misleading. The narration I think has nothing to do with the scene that we're seeing. I if I had to bet what that narration really means. He may be speaking in general terms, but I think he's directing it towards Thor specifically. That's who I think he's aiming. Thor may not be the only one confronting him, but I think the the the, the digs and what he's saying applies directly more to Thor, since we know Thor's the one who could have killed him and stopped him, but Thor fucked up. Pardon my sir. <laughs> and his, and his, and a little bit of the old Thor arrogance got in the way when he could have finished him off and he didn't. So I think that's who he's – I think it applies across the board theoretically. It's one of those things that can be applied to everybody. But I think specifically it's being aimed at Thor. I think he's saying it more to Thor. Whenever it takes place, Thor is the guy he's really – He could be, if Tony happens to be there in the scene, if it really does come from the scene at the end of the trailer when the three – when we see at least the main three Avengers squaring off, which we assume it will be more because that scene we talked about in the previous trailer from Nebula has to take place – Wherever they are, that's the scene where Nebula is, too, because that's the same background. That's the same planet, but it's being destroyed and everything. Which I happen to think is Xandar. Well, I think it's Xandar. Well, well. Plus, when 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 Tony Cap and Thor are walking up to Thanos there in that final shot, they're in their costumes, not in their quantum realm suits. Yes, but we also don't know how the quantum realm. Su- we also don't know how the quantum realm suits work. Whether there's any nanotech involved in what he does. 
and how he builds that in. If there's any ability to change costumes, especially if you're going back in time, and if and if some of the things, unless there was all misdirection, how you know we've seen different scenes of uh, we've seen scenes on set of Cap, of Cap in his Avengers uniform. We've seen him. I think there was footage of him wearing the winter the Winter Soldier uniform. Unless that's all misdirection, the reality is maybe some of the tech that's built in is that it can go back and forth. That you do, do, do you think it's like because we keep saying time travel? What about alternate universe where they a universe where you know this hasn't happened yet is all starting to go down that sort of a thing and they sort of jump into that time stream? They could do that, but again, the, the danger with the <coughs> concept is that you're playing you're playing you're you are completely playing God with somebody else's timeline. Um, but it's possible. But the only thing that Everything points to time travel most mostly, excuse me, because we know Janet referred to it as time vortexes, not you know not dimensional vortexes, not. But but it's open to interpretation. We don't we don't entirely know what that means. We're not going to know until the thing that up again points not to it being maybe multi timelines, multi universes is Scott does get out and, and end up back in our time. So unless we unless we find out that Scott ends up in multiple, not just different times, but ends up in different different timelines, different like multiverses, if you will. Unless it's, unless we find that out, the fact that he makes his way back into ours, which just goes ends up, you know, kind of like coming out in the future from where he went in. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't really know 100%. Now, now, there are some things in the trailer, like we see, we see Tony and it looks like his Avengers armor. The original Avengers armor. So, and I, like I said, we don't know where the Tony Cap handshake is taking place. It kind of looks like it does look like it's the Battle of New York. May not be. It certainly looks like it's New York. But that could be a hint of something that happens in the quantum realm. And I do think, I do think the scene of all of them confronting Thanos in his armor. I think that's probably on Xandar. We know Thanos had his armor on when he when he. We first see Thanos in Infinity War. He's got his armor on, but he's dealing with Thor. He still has his armor on, uh, and, they, and we know he went to he was in Xandar shortly before that because that's because Thor because Thor even knew that either because he hurt had, either they had gotten the information or Thanos told them that when he attacked the ship. But Thanos knew it enough. But Thor knew it enough to tell the Guardians that he had already had the Power Stone because he because he but devastated Xandar, and there have been a. One of the most consistent rumors, for what it's worth, is that we're going to see the battles, a, a battle of Xandar, because that's one of the places in time that they try to, to get the Power Stone from. So I would not be surprised if that scene, that, devast, that devastated world, is, is Xandar. That's, I could, it could be anything, but I'm kind of so this, so that wouldn't, if that's the case, obviously that wouldn't be them confronting a Thanos that knows, he may know of them. Because he, the way he, he obviously knew Tony before he even faced off with Tony, so I'm sure he knows Thor, but he doesn't have the experience with them. Well, they have the experience with him. But that scene, but that scene, the way they ended that was the way they ended that was awesome. But seeing Tony, Cap, and the big three walking up, basically about to take on Thanos, that was pretty cool. Uh, though some people, it's funny watching some of the trailer reactions. Some people completely, it's kind of funny. How, it's just funny how the mind mind works. Just like. People, I saw some reactions like, "Is that Doctor Strange?" It's like, 
people completely forgot that Thor's cape obviously is red. <laughs> and it's been red since the first time we saw him. Forget about the comic books. It's it's you know it's 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 been red in the MCU. And plus that's the whole impact of that scene is the fact that it's the that it's the big three Avengers side by side by side. Which to be perfectly honest, we really haven't gotten much of, if any, in the, on all these movies. They fought each other. When we first see them all interacting together, they're fighting each other, and we see moments of them side by side doing a few things, but usually in the big group. But we've never really seen the three of them, and, we, and that doesn't mean we're going to see it in the movie either for more than a second. But there's just the three of them doing, you know, working to try, fighting side by side. That's one of the pet peeves I've always had. Is much like they never really developed Tony and. Steve's relationship until the Russos came along and actually developed it as he was deconstructing it. We never really got to see much of the Thor Cap relationship. Uh, speaking of which, do you think they're going to make it to Stormbreaker? You have to be worthy to wield Stormbreaker too. Yes. So you think that? So you think? So do you? But the natural follow-up question to that is: if if we if we never get to see Cap wield Mjolnir, do you think we'll get to see him wield Stormbreaker? Yes, uh, some sort of cap wielding should happen. Um, I, 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 I think the Russos know enough to know we would feel cheated if we didn't get Avengers Assemble and some sort of cap wielding. The the I mean, like, there's a bunch of things where fans would be like, "Oh, this didn't happen. This didn't happen." Uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be people out there upset that Drax didn't play a pivotal role in the in the. In Thanos's d- demise, uh, if if that ends up being the case, which it seems likely it wouldn't, um, but uh, you know there are certain things that I think everybody sort of agrees on that we need an Avengers assemble, and then we need um, we need Cap wielding something to be you know either Mjolnir or Stormbreaker. Um, Stormbreaker, uh, as far as I remember, worked the same way for Beta Ray Bill as it did as Mjolnir did for uh, Thor. So, I would, I would. Are you all right there? You. Yeah, I was adjusting. Mike's okay. Yeah, I was just my headset moved a little, so I was trying to get it more comfortable. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Stormbreaker, as far as I remember in the comics, worked the same way for Beta Ray Bill as it did as Mjolnir did for Thor. It's been a long time since I read some Thor comics. I got a bunch of digital stuff on my tablet, like uh, some old uh, Beta Ray Bill stuff, and uh, actually even some old Thunderstrike stuff when that was a thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting here looking at my shelf and I'm looking at that Thor, uh, JMS Straczynski, uh, omnibus. And it's just like, man, I really want to read some good Thor. And I know that's, I mean, that's probably my favorite run of Thor ever. And I just, I got to read that. I got to reread that because that's such great stuff. I miss reading Thor in comics. It's it, right now. My Marvel focus is like super high on Gambit and Venom right now, but, uh, I, I, man, I, I miss reading some good Thor stuff, which is good, I guess, because uh, don't doesn't Marvel have that uh, War of the Realms or something coming yes, up, right? Yeah. That's their big event. Yeah, so. that's going on now. That's, yeah, but uh, don't get don't don't go too far off in tangent, Phil. Chad. <laughs> no, no, uh, that's that was just sort of me trailing off because I I don't have much else to say about this. I told Mark via Facebook uh, Messenger that I just. Uh, you know, uh, I've been sort of lackluster about a lot of things this year, uh, including, you know, the Game of Thrones returning. As we get closer to it, I'm, you know, a little more excited, a little more excited. But 
maybe it's just the time gap between that making me not as excited as I would be for a normal season of Game of Thrones. Um, and uh, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm burned out on Marvel. I don't know. I would I, I was definitely excited for Endgame. It's just I wasn't like super hyped for Endgame uh, any more than your standard Marvel movie, and maybe a little more than your standard Marvel movie, just because it is an Avengers movie as opposed to just an yet another Marvel movie. Um, but I didn't really feel any you know particular really high in intensity hype for it. Um, um, that sort of changed with this trailer. I'm still not you know freaking out. I'm not one of the ones who was like. I'm obviously going to wait until I can get my free ticket to go see it. I'm not going to rush out and try and buy it, but um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, and it's fun to speculate. But I'm, I'm definitely more invested now that I've seen this special look. <laughs> the the rocket nebula hand holding was sweet. Yeah, that was because because you're literally de- dealing with two characters that have a lot, which is probably why Thor and Rocket get along so well too. That you're dealing with characters that have pretty much lost everything. <laughs> Not that Nebula had a lot, <laughs> but the only thing she really had, I guess, was Gamora. <laughs> but they've the fact that you know, kind of like Misery loves loves company here. The fact that they've lost they've lost everything. So I think that was. In a way, that's more touching than to me than the, the Pepper Tony reunion, which we kind of knew was happening. So, but I think that, and obviously that takes place in the evening, so you would have to so that scene Pepper and Tony in the in the evening, so that kind of would coincide with the belief that we that we had that when everybody runs out onto the lawn at the Avengers headquarters or whatever to look, that that's because Nebula and Tony's ship is is coming in. Right. Um, let's see. There's a couple other. Around the 27 second mark, who do you? Th- there are a couple. There are a couple of, event- of Avengers who are not present in that scene. So who do you think that everybody is looking at? It was because really Thor and Thor and or Hulk slash Banner are the main two, are the only two right that are really not there, other than Captain Marvel. So it would have to be Captain Marvel, Thor, or the Hulk slash Banner showing up and doing something. Maybe. Well, no. Natasha's hair is red and longer. Um, well, I don't mean Captain Marvel first arriving, but I just mean. Yeah. Maybe probably the Hulk. I would guess based on if you had to go on circumstantial evidence based on yes, how long her hair. Actually, her hair looks like it could be in between at that point. It looks like they could still be blonde. No, it's not. No, yeah, no. Her hair is red on the top and it's blonde at the tip. It's it's long and red. It's just in a ponytail. You can see it sitting on her shoulder. Um, yeah, I don't – it could be Banner rushing into the room saying, hey, I figured it out, but then why wouldn't Tony be with him um, trying to figure out the, the Quantum Realm well, tech? I'm not thinking Quantum Realm. I'm thinking that they could be looking at whatever the Hulk and Banner have become, the merger or mm. something. Because, because – I mean because it seems to be whatever is going on is, 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 grabbing, is grabbing their attention. So either they're watching something on a screen – but I'm just, that's just pure – it's just speculation based on who's not in the room. The Captain Marvel, Thor, and the Hulk are not in the, are not in the room. Um, so – Well, yeah, nobody nobody seems to be jumping to their feet, and even Hawkeye's like sort of – you know, I don't – it's not coy, it's not shy, but he's just sort of – you can tell he's sort of depressed or something because he's, he's kind of rubbing his arm and looking over his shoulder – so whatever is happening is not is not like shocking to the group. Everybody stands up to see what's going on, but it, it doesn't seem to be worthy of 
leaping to my feet and seeing what the hell's going on. Yeah, it doesn't see. It's well, it's not. Certainly doesn't look panic-inducing. Yeah. Uh, but it is. But that that is one of the curious parts of the trailer because obviously everybody's everybody seems to be reunited at this point. So the question is what what they could be. Uh, and the thing that's still and let's see what the other the other key parts of this. Uh, we already talked about them flying in the ship, which looks like it's earlier in, earlier in the movie. You know what? You know, actually, the 27-second mark, you know what I wonder if this is? Um, you know who we haven't talked about who maybe didn't get snapped? Thunderbolt. Maybe Thunderbolt's coming to them asking them to, you know, get off your depression high horse and save us. Yeah, that's assuming he's fi- – that's that's assuming he's – he's real. His he has become realistic enough to stop – his vendetta against Cap's team, which is the majority of the Avengers at this point. Well, um, that, that 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 that's true, but there have been times, plenty of times in the comics where the stakes are high enough where Thunderbolt sets aside his shit. Yeah, I know, but that's you're right. That that's that's assuming that yeah, it it, it would not be shocking based on the way the scene is framed if they're watching something on a screen or something. Yeah. If you look at Tony's reaction, uh, Ant Man's reaction, yeah, it, it is it is interesting. Uh, and Rhodey's obviously starting to move in, in position to get a better look at the, around the twenty, you know, the twenty, the twenty-seven second mark and carried forward. So they are watching something. The question is what? And there's and Neb, let's see, Nebula still wearing, she's still wearing her old. Well, I'm trying to figure out what Rocket's wearing because Rocket is. He looks like is that is that a quantum realm suit? That probably no, is. it's no, it's. It's maybe maybe just something he has. It could, yeah, it could be. I'm gonna say because it does look like this is pre quantum. This is probably pre quantum realm, but hard to tell because again, Natasha's hair is longer. And even though, again, I think I think it's it is red, but I do think there's some blonde tips, like you said. There's some highlights in there, so I think she's not as red as she completely gets because it looks like this. It almost looks like she has three different hairstyles in this movie: the short blonde, the the growing it out in between red and, and into blonde, and then. I think more red. Uh, or almost. No, I don't red. think there's a full. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's a full red. There's. She still has. She still has the blonde tips because the the blonde tip at the end because um, just uh, just as you 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 told me yesterday, uh, you bought some of the uh, Avengers Endgame pops. Oh, the the, Nata- the, the, the Natasha. The, yeah, the the Natasha one in her uh, in her Quantum Realm suit does have a blonde tip on her hair. Which is odd. So that's another thing that makes you wonder about the about the time tra- about the time travel then, because if 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 depending on where they're going, it depends. See, that's the other thing too. They may not all be going to the same place together, and mm. because the only reason that she would have to look alike would be if she's if she has if she's trying to fool somebody else back in that time frame to make them think that this is the that her the current her. If if she if that's not what her role is, then she doesn't really have to necessarily. Look, one hundred percent identical. Um, so that's that's like if they're going, if they, so that yeah, a lot of that's going to be that's part of the mystery. Uh, it is also interesting if we really still have only seen footage from like the first twenty minutes of the movie, which it kind of makes you think that we haven't. The stuff, the stuff with the with the big three going against Thanos, that does not seem like it would be in the first twenty minutes in the movie, just because that's that's a lot to cram into the first twenty minutes. Because you still got to get Tony and Nebula back, and 
And if this, especially if it involves, if this, if this is actually involving something in the quantum realm, that that's a whole lot to get done. I don't see how any that's really possible that all that could be in the first twenty minutes of the, of the movie. Um, mm. So, but, but it, yeah, this is. I think, I think I like the last trailer a little bit better. I mean, this trailer has some cool stuff in it. It's, it has you know the Tony Cap moment, which probably did not need to be in this trailer. I guess. Some would say that that's something that should have been held off for the movie. I guess the counter to that would be you know it's going to take place, so so it's not really much of a surprise if you see it. You're expecting to see it. You know, if you saw if you saw a cap wielding Stormbreaker, that would be a surprise. That would be something you shouldn't be seeing until the movie. But you know Tony and Cap have to come to some understanding because they ha- they have to. That's the whole point of them. That's really the whole point of the movie is that. Now, is that all the pieces are being put back together, but the way it's going to be done is because the Avengers are coming back together. That the that part of the reason if the, you know, the the subliminal message sent is part of the reason why they lost. Not necessarily the only reason why is because they were splintered and they were fractured. Kind of going back to Cap's Cap's words to begin with about you know the, the you know we do it together, and if we lose, then we do that together too. The idea that that's not what happened—they didn't get, they didn't fight together, they didn't stand together. They basically stood apart, and that's the part of the reason why, if not the only reason, why they lost. So this movie is about the opposite, just like how the, just how even the little logo is, how everything, the ashes and everything is coming back together into one piece. So that's so, and I don't, and I don't, yeah, I don't mind the Captain, you know, the Captain Marvel stuff. So far, it looks like it's it looks like her role in this movie is. We don't know much, but as long as she as long as she's not the one that kills Thanos, I'm not going to have a huge issue with it. Even if even if for for God's sake, which I don't want, but if she even if they end up getting an Infinity Gauntlet and she's the one who has to wield it to to, to set everything back, I know most people don't want that. I'm not saying I want it. I'd be okay with it as long as she's not the one that Thor. I think should be the one that kills Thanos. I think Thor. I think based on the story arc we've seen, he's the one who should be killing Thanos, since he's the one who's haunted by his missed opportunity. So if he has another chance, especially if he has another chance, especially if it's a chance in the past, where Thanos never even said those words to him that you should have gone for the head, but Thor knows it. I I want it definitely should come down to Tony. Tony, Steve, and uh, Thor as the ones who actually, if Thanos dies, that's how it, they should be the one killed. Well, I think we're all pretty. I think we're all pretty agreed that Cap dies at some point, but but they are but they are showing us that if, they are hinting at that so much. Well, yeah, 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 right, 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 right. But uh, what I was going to say is, if, if I think we're all pretty pretty much on agreement that Cap dies, but does Cap die as a result of? His actions going to either kill Thanos or something. Does 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 he die in battle or does he die in sacrifice? Because I'm pretty sure it makes much more sense if Cap dies in sacrifice somehow. Well, it could be a com- it could be a combination of both, depending what that sacrifice is. One of one of the one of the rumors. One and I think we talked about this before. One of the one of the rumors about uh, this movie was that. When they go, they, it actually has to do with the Xandar thing. That somehow Cap sacrifice Cap sacrifices himself so the others can get that. They, their attempt to get the Power Stone on Xandar fails, 
and the, the Avengers are in trouble, but Cap sacrifices himself to allow everybody else to escape, to basically have another shot to try again, to try not to get another stone or whatever. So there is a rumor, that, and that's all that could be, is just a rumor. But if that scene we see of that battle, of that planet that they're fighting on turns out to be Xandar, that, leaves a, that does certainly give a lot of more credence to that theory, because you certainly could believe that's uh, Cap's final battle. Uh, it could be. Doesn't mean it would be, but we've seen scenes from that. We've seen snippets from that scene before in, in other trailers. So if if that's so, he could die in battle, but he also could be dying, sacrificing himself so everybody else can get away. Uh, the thing that's still the thing that's still weird to me is I it still has to we have to get an answer. We don't, but it's going to be a major plot hole. Is that still comes back down to. Every, one, every single one of the characters that had the Wanda Hex visions has had their vision come to pass, but not Cap. Because Cap's had to do with basically an alternate timeline in which he had to got to, he got to dance with Peggy after the war. Which obviously was never possible for multiple reasons in the, his real timeline. So, he's, that, to me, something has to be done with that. Whether they go back unless to... It, unless, it, unless it takes place in the Soul Stone... It could. That's true. Like that's our. Yes. He, he sacrifices himself. They they decide to then go after the Soul Stone because their attempt at the Power Stone failed because you know at that point in time Thanos doesn't know where the Soul Stone is. So with Nebula there at their side, they go after the Soul Stone, and after the victory, we get one final goodbye to Cap, Tony, somebody, maybe everybody who the hell knows is seeing things via the Soul Stone. And that's how we get, you know, one final shot of Tony smiling as he's dancing, or not Tony, of um, Steve. Steve smiling as he's dancing with Peggy off into the Soulstone mists. Yeah, they could do that, and and I and I would not be unhappy with that. I would only be unhappy if we don't get that plot point touched upon, because like I said, it, it is it is glaring that it is the because it, to begin with it was weird. This is why I don't think it was a throwaway thing. It was the fact that everybody else saw the future. Oh, they saw their past. Cap didn't see it either because technically he saw an alternate version of the past, something that never took place. So I would be okay if that's how they resolve it. And I could, and that would be the other way I could see Cap dying is that, yes, but I also could see Nebula sacrificing herself for the Soul Stone too, whether it was to save, to maybe try to get Gamora out of it and to get the stone. I don't know, but I could – but yeah, I, I could uh, – plus let's be honest. If they're going – if they're using the quantum realm and they're going back in time, it would be cool to go back to get Cap to be involved in getting the soul stone because he and the Red Skull would have the reunion because <laughs> the Red Skull will still be the guardian of the stone if you're going back in time because no one had gotten it yet. Um, so I don't know. Maybe at this – and to wrap this up, maybe we, maybe we should maybe we should just figure take take the raw take the guesses of who we think is going to live and die out of the characters now. And this will <laughs> and this can be our this can be our let me get a piece of paper. This can be our, this can be our final prognostication about about who lives and dies of the major characters. Of course, let me just make a column for you and me. You ready? Yeah, I think Cap's dead. If I had to bet, I'm going to say Cap's dead too. I mean, I know they are they are really amping up in the trailers to increase the danger, which makes you wonder possibly if it's a red herring. But if I had to, I would certainly say of the big three, he's the most likely to die. Uh, Thor. 
still stays around. I agree. I don't think him. I don't think. I don't think Hemsworth is done with that character. I don't, and I think that'd be. And I think based on how popular his character has become and how uh, powerful that character is. Plus, we don't know what this. Plus, we also don't know what the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be. Like, is Asgard back? Things like that. We don't know what's going to happen when the timeline or whatever gets altered. When the new status quo, it goes into effect. So either way, yes, I agree. What about Tony? I don't think Tony's done. I think Tony may retire, but I don't think Tony's done because I I don't – Downey loves this character too much. And, and and maybe he maybe he's going to take a much more reduced role, or he could step away from it entirely. I don't know him well enough, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, his, his thought process and everything. But you know, this this character means so much to him in terms of, you know, we all remember what Downey went through in his personal life before being cast as Iron Man. This sort of helped bring him back and and you know give him something to hang on to. So I don't. I don't think he's done being sort of the shepherd of the Marvel universe. He probably will be done in terms of no more Iron Man films and no more like central spotlight on Iron Man. But I could see him becoming like a Nick Fury sort of cameo character in a few bigger films down the line. Tony's the toughest one for me to figure. It would make sense from a financial perspective that they would want to keep his character around anyway because they know he's popular. He has ties to so many other characters, and and it would be good to be able to bring him back, obviously. The thing that points in real life to him maybe dying, although you could get away with it under the, the scope of retiring too, is that he is older. He is he's pretty much mm-hmm. the oldest one of this group. He's in his 50s, I think, now. That and now, Even though, yes, they're doing a lot more CGI now than they, than they did when he first started doing the roles uh, – it, this is a tough one. It really is a tough one. So, well, because Tony in the comics, I mean, granted, this was during Civil War for the most part, but like Tony was director of Shield for a little while too. You know, like at the, of course at the time he was still doing his Iron Man thing, but I could see them him taking like a a supervisory sort of a role, or you know, being the face of the Avengers while not actually being an Avenger. You know, that sort of a thing, uh, fighting for. You know the the right of the heroes to operate in the open, uh, whatever whatever it is they're doing. So a reduced capacity role, but still there, still being like a, a focal figure for the the heroes. I'm gonna hedge my bets and circle back to Tony because I because obviously more more than one Avenger has to die. I think uh, I don't think it can just be Cap. So I think we're both in agreement that we think Ant Man lives. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so too. I don't think they're done with that character. What about the Hulk? I'm betting live on on, especially if we're getting yeah, I, I live for sure. Yeah, especially no matter whether we're getting just Professor Hulk, Worldbreaker Hulk, whatever kind of whatever version of the Hulk we get. It, I don't necessarily. I think it would kind of be a ways to go to give us that character and then kill him off in the same movie. So I agree. Hawkeye, I'm going to say dies. I'd agree with that. War Machine. War Machine's a tough one because it's because it's hard because it really literally could go either way. You ima- you can't imagine War Machine and Tony are going to die. So it's probably I I I could see them both living. I don't can, I can't see them both dying. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say live. I'm going to say War Machine dies. I think Black Widow. We both agree will live. 
Not just because well, she's yeah, having, she's not just because yeah. you know she's having a spinoff. Um, well, she could, it could be it could be a it prequel. Be a it very prequel. We, there's there's so much we don't know about her past uh, already that it, there's it could definitely be a prequel. And they never they have never touched on the facts. I mean, obviously in the comics, uh, in in the comics, uh, uh, isn't both Natasha and Fury um, uh, old? Old characters, okay. they're, they're, they both somehow benefited from the Super Soldier Something, project. I believe yeah. that is correct. Obviously, Fury is is not a part of that in this universe, but and you know, it's very unlikely. But Natasha could be as well. All right, so obviously we don't need to talk about Captain Marvel because we we assume she's that's not even up yeah. for debate. She's the new wave. Oh. Nebula, do we both think Nebula dies? I agree she dies. Yeah, I agree she dies too. Oh, Rocket, I think we both agree lives. Yes. So is there anybody that we missed? Mm. Cap, uh, I have to go back to Iron Man, but we did Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Hulk, Hawkeye, War Machine, Black Widow, Nebula, Rocket. That, that is everybody, right? Pretty sure. Um, let's see. I said. I say Tony lives. I know you did. I'm still debating. I'm I'm gonna say dies, but I'm putting an asterisk. That's the one I'm not very confident of. All my deaths, that's the one I'm the least confident about. Um, they could very easily kill him because of the fact that we. Because a lot of people might think that just because he was – Doctor Strange spared him since he needed to be alive, they might think that he needed to be alive all the way through to the end of however things play out when that might not be the case. He just may need to be alive for, for a certain part of it. Um, so I also, I also think uh, Scarlet Witch is back. Vision is back. Oh, yeah. uh, um, Black Panther is back. Black for sure. Uh, Loki? Back. I think Loki's back. I don't. I think Loki's dead. I think he's back. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, the movie didn't, well, I didn't do that list. Um, and I, Okay, so Loki... Well, we agree on everything except Loki. You so. see Loki's back, and I think he's still dead. Uh, Gamora's going to be back somehow, I believe. I, I, somebody... But see, here's the thing. We know... We just, somebody has to... So be, all the Guardians can't survive. Some... Well, I... I I, I still think it would be appropriate to keep Drax dead, especially now that the gun's back. It would be that big F.U. to him. Okay, guess what? You got what you wanted, but you're not in the movie. Uh, well, and the other thing is we some some people have to be dead from the, from the original – from Infinity War because we were told that some of those deaths have to matter, and they mattered. You know, so not all of them can be – not all of them can be snapped away. Uh, I guess Gamora could be dead. I can do. I can. Do, I can do. So you. We, so you said she's dead, right? Gamora. Unless, unless Nebula can sacrifice. Maybe, maybe you can sacrifice yourself to get somebody out of the Soul Stone. Gamora. I mean, Nebula would probably do that at this point. Right. Um, I'm still gonna say she's alive. Um, and yes, yeah, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Yes, she's alive. Vision. I'm. Not, see, technically speaking, the Vision they could probably recreate even without turning back the clock. I'll be curious to see actually if we see the Vision's body at the Avengers headquarters because you would think they would bring him back with them. 
You don't mm-hmm. think they would just friggin' leave him in Wakanda? <laughs> but uh, the vi- but the- but we also um yeah, I'm gonna say Vision's pro- probably gonna end up alive. Uh, we know Black Panther. Bucky and Falcon. I say they both are alive. Yeah, just because someone's got to pick up Cap's shield, and I, man, I don't know who I'd like to see do it more. I'd be okay with I'm I'm equally okay with either stepping into the role. I would, based on how we've seen them represented on the screen, you'd want it to be, you'd, uh, to me, I think Falcon would be better. But Bucky's the one who did it first, and Bucky's mm. the one who's actually got the super soldier blood in his veins, you know, the serum. So. As cool as Sam is, he has no superpowers. So mm-hmm. that is kind of a problem. Not not that you can't work around it, because Black Widow technically doesn't have any superpowers either. But uh, Shuri's going. We assume Shuri will be alive. Um, uh, yeah, and Doctor Strange obviously will be alive. Oh yeah. Just because, I mean, we're, we're absolutely getting Doctor Strange 2, we're absolutely getting Black Panther 2. There's no way it's not happening. And and, and, will you, and as we wrap this up, will you, will you at least agree that on the surface, tentatively, I have one or not official bet that Shuri's actually dead? <laughs> Based on those posters that came out last week? Right, but there were, there, were, there were three possibilities. Either A, she died in the snap. Um, B, she died in that fight with... Um, What's his name in uh, when he yeah. when he knocked her down or whatever, or 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 she died some other way in between uh, at uh, in between in game or in between or she she could have died after the snap. The, obviously, the most likely is that she died. It's obvious she's gone, but how she's gone, I'm still not convinced she's gone because of the snap. I'll give you credit for hanging for hanging on there, Chad. Yeah, it is possible. It is to me the only other possibility is that yes, I don't think that was a killing shot that she took, but because don't forget she got kind of knocked around even in Black Panther as well. Uh, the reality is yes, she could have died possibly from from the wounds or whatever, but I don't think she died. If she didn't die from the snap, she didn't die. Period. But we know, but it's pretty much been confirmed with those posters that she's one of the fallen. So I think she died with the snap. Uh, but she's gone. She, she's dead. <laughs> now she won't stay dead, but yeah. But you know, but she's 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 a goner. Uh, those posters were interesting too. All of those. Uh, but yeah. So the good news is, but about uh about what th- almost three weeks away now, right? Give or take. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and this month will fly by because Shazam, Shazam will be coming out, and Game of Thrones starts in less than two weeks, Bare, like a week and a, like a week and a half almost. It's almost Wednesday, so yeah, almost a week and a half. So that'll be cool. Uh, so yeah, April's got a lot. Of, April's got a lot of stuff. So April's going to be quite a quite an interesting month. Um, and then Godzilla's just around the corner. Yep, that will be the probably be the next the next really big one, I would assume. Um, that'll be that'll be quite interesting. Would you too. say it'd be kaiju sized? <laughs> All right, I'm going to I'm going to assume so. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you want to tell people how they can reach us? 
LanternCast.com. The email is LanternCast at gmail.com. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, uh, hashtag GeoCast to locate us on those. And 708 Lantern is the voicemail. So let us know what you think. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.